running for the touchdown. Jackpot, baby. Josh Jacobs. Welcome to the JT The Brick Show. Always exciting to play at home. We all want to play at home, and this is an unbelievable venue to play at. It's time for the JT The Brick Show. On a personal level for me, I, I just we can't wait to get to the game day, right? We can't wait to get on the grass. JT The Brick. Cars up underneath James. Going to fire quickly. Jackpot, baby. Touchdown, Raiders. On Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Here's your host, JT the Brick. Thanks for coming back, everybody. Hour number two, Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Brought to you by BillsHappen.com. What a year for BillsHappen.com. They are Raider fans. They're a proud partner of our show. If you need money, they can help you out, period, because they're Raider fans. When you need extra cash, Go to BillsHappen.com. If your credit cards are maxed out, do you have bad credit? You can get up to $5,000 cash as early as tomorrow. Go to BillsHappen.com. Proud playoff partners, I love saying that, of our show because our partners believe in me to deliver this type of show every day. That's why we have all these partners here that have been with me, some of them for many, many years, and we thank them as we enter the new year here. So Jonathan Hankins running late after practice. We're supposed to get him on. Rod Woodson, who was at the game. I saw him on the jumbo board. Rod Woodson at the game. Uh, Paul Gutierrez at the bottom of the hour. Uh, Paul wrote a really big column on what the Raiders have been through this year. I was waiting for that to come, and Paul could write it as good as anybody as the years he's followed this team and has written about this team in big spots. So that's a storyline there, too. I'm just excited, everybody. This is a free roll. In Vegas, a lot of people, including Raider fans, did not expect this team to get to the playoffs this year. Mike Mayock did. He said that early in the season. John Gruden did before his resignation. Rich Basaccia did. Tom Cable did. I mean, these coaches believe that they have a team that could get to the playoffs. And now they're in. Now they got to win. Now, you don't want to get to the playoffs. You want to get to the playoffs and win a game. Win the game, and then I think the Raiders' momentum, which is already real, will be off the charts. What I liked about the last game is the Raiders put up points. And they haven't been putting up points the last couple of weeks since the Dallas game on Thanksgiving. Now the Raiders have the ability to say, we can score with the Chargers. We can get in a shootout if we have to. We can get into field goal range to win a game. Now could they get on top of Cincinnati and get Cincinnati off the field? Cincinnati is very dangerous. I talked to a friend today who said he hopes the weather is brutal because he'd rather see Josh Jacobs running the ball than the Raiders playing in bad weather trying to throw the ball. I don't know what the weather's going to be. we got a couple of Cincinnati guests coming up here all week. They'll tell us. They'll give us the weather report. But I love the way the Raiders are running the ball and playing smash mouth. And Derek Carr is making good decisions. I think the key to this game, too, is going to be getting Waller going. I mean, how many times can Darren Waller be guaranteed to be in the playoffs? Ask some of the tight ends who played for the Raiders the last 20 years. It's been lean. Uh, Darren Waller fought his way back out of the pool, out of the tub to get on the sideline and now get in the games. We need Waller to play explosive. That's why he's here. Waller is a brilliant athlete. He needs to be explosive. We know that Josh has been playing through injuries. He's been banged up. I think that Edwards now is a superior athlete in unbelievable shape. And he's showed that shape and conditioning on the road in Cincinnati. And Hunter Renfro, I think they got away from him in the last game. And he caught two touchdowns. He didn't have many yards. He didn't have many targets. And going back and watching the game again, I think that the Raiders just thought at times he wasn't open. 
I never believed that with Renfro. Throw him open. Throw him to a spot. He'll go get the ball. So I hope they go back with a heavy dose of Hunter Renfro. I think Foster Moreau plays a huge role in this game, depending on the status of Waller and how he's able to work on a single instead of a double team if they're double teaming Waller and Renfro. Foster Moreau could have a big game here. Blocking, of course. But it's going to come down to Josh Jacobs. I think we all realize that this team really likes to run the ball now. It's starting to become their identity. And if it remains their identity, they better run well. They better not. They better run with a purpose, as Chris and West Oakland says. I don't want to see a 30-yard gain over the middle come up to the ball and just hand it off up the middle for no yards. Run with a purpose. Run outside. Run. Have a guard pull. Do something with a purpose instead of getting up to the line of scrimmage and handing it off up the middle. Don't kill a play in a drive by being conservative now. This is another team very similar to the Chargers that I, I think you have to look at now and say it's very similar to the Charger game because of the quarterbacks and the weapons that they have. All right, Rod Woodson, one of the greatest football players of all time, great friend of the show. He was at the game at Allegiant Stadium. Rod, it was good to see you up there on the jumbo video boards for one of the greatest regular season games in Raider history. How are you? Man, it was it was fun to see that the battle-tested Raiders came out on top. And, uh, and I'm kind of glad that the uh, the Chargers called that timeout so the Raiders can say, you know what, we're just going to go ahead and win this thing. Yeah, Rod, how'd you see that? You're an analyst. You do a great <laughs> job analyzing games on radio. Walk me through your mind when the Chargers were down 15, when they went for two and got it, the Raiders went for two and didn't, where that extra point could have been the difference in that game. When that game was unfolding with about five minutes to go in the fourth quarter, how'd you see it? Well, I, I normally at that point get I get mad at analytics you know, because, you know, I, 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 I agree analytics should be and can be a part of the of the game. It just it doesn't give you that human element and that coaches can't just go off what the numbers say. Sometimes they got to go off of what their gut is showing them or feeling it or is telling them at that moment. Um, so I was a little upset about that. Uh, and then I was just a little worried, you know, exactly where we we're going to go and how we we're going to do it. Was, was each team going to try to win or are they going to try to tie? And I, I really believe that the Raiders were like really good with tying this thing up, letting them both get into the postseason until that timeout happened. Mm-hmm. and they're like, okay, we're just going to go ahead and win it, and then you guys will be sitting at home. Rod Woodson joins us. You know, Rod, I looked at it. I said if the Raiders got stuffed and stopped around midfield and the clock was running down under 30 seconds and the Chargers were obviously just happy for a tie, I could have possibly seen an opportunity if the Raiders weren't in range to not run a play and throw it, but I always felt that they were going to attack and try to win the game. There was no benefit for a tie for them to go play at Kansas City at that point in time compared to playing at Cincinnati. And Carlson, as you know, has a big leg. So if they got him at in, uh, under 50 yards or under 60 yards, I thought they'd let the clock go down to a couple seconds left and let Carlson try to win it. I mean, that's what I was thinking also. And, and maybe that's the reason, you know, Stanley, he he made the timeout saying, that, you know, that we, we can't let it go down to the wire. Mm-hmm. We have to give us a little time. And maybe that's the reason he called the timeout. I'm not exactly sure. Uh, but it was a costly timeout for him because now the Raiders went down, got the first down, and it was a lot easier field goal than the previous one would have been. 
Rod Woodson joins us. Rod, you covered a lot of teams this year with your radio work and your analyst role. Let's talk about the Niners winning against the Rams in San Francisco. I don't, uh, from what I saw in the game, which wasn't every play, uh, Sean McVay didn't have the killer instinct to put that game away, and they gave Jimmy Garoppolo another chance. Do you think Garoppolo can win now in Dallas? What do you think of that matchup, Cowboys and Niners? Listen, I, I, I love. Kyle Shanahan. I just, I just think he's an outstanding coach. He knows who his team is. And I think if we want, look at all the teams in the postseason, there's one team that we know that's going to come off the bus running the football in every capacity they can. They're going to be physical on defense like they've been throughout his tenure as a coach, the head coach for the 49ers. And they found a way to still run the football. All their running backs got hurt. And what do they do? They take a receiver who's built kind of like a running back, mm-hmm. <laughs> Debo, right, and put him in the backfield and let him run the football. So just thinking out of the box, thinking the way they have throughout his, you know, his career as a coach in the National Football League, I'm, I'm really, I would, for me, I was like, whoever gets the 49ers, if they make it in, and they did, it's going to be a hard out because mm-hmm, this sure. is going to be a tough, gritty game. And if the Dallas Cowboys don't come out with a, a tough, gritty mindset, it's going to be a long game for them because it's not going to be an easy out. I'm not saying the 49ers is go, are going to win, but it's not an easy out. This is a tough football team that's really playing really good football right now. And it's you don't like facing those teams in the first round of the playoffs. Rod Woodson, the Hall of Famer, joins us. Uh, Rod, your former team, the Steelers, are you surprised how it played out with them? It was very emotional. Ben at home on Monday night. That was one of the greatest walk-offs I've ever seen. His family there waiting in the tunnel. It was incredible how he hung around after that and then beat a rival, another one of your former teams, in the Ravens the way they did it. Ravens were decimated with injuries all year. But now the Steelers are at Kansas City. They're a heavy, heavy underdog. How can the Steelers win that game? It's going to be a tough task. You know, uh, I, I, I think the defense has to play lights out. Um, I don't think that the the Steelers can match point for point if Kansas City puts, uh, you know, let's say they put up 27. I don't know if the Steelers can score 27 against uh, Kansas City's defense. So I, I just think the defense has to play their best football. they got to make Patrick Mahomes uncomfortable in the pocket. Um, play a lot of two-shell, four-shell, and still get after the quarterback, which we've seen that's been kind of like the, you know, that's that's been the, the way to beat the Kansas City Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes and at least slow him down. So if, if they can't do that, that's going to be that's going to be a tough task, going to Kansas City and playing like that. Um, but it's, you know, you got to give credit to Mike Tomlin. Nobody in the world, and I know I didn't, to be honest, I didn't think these guys were going to get into the postseason. It's like I was like this: they're too beat up. Their their offense is not great. The defensive back end plays. the The run defense has been the worst has been in a quite a long time mm-hmm. for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And somehow, some way, Mike Tomlin gets these guys to buy in. They still play real good football. So. You got to give credit to what credits do, and Mike Tomlin's a heck of a coach. He always puts a pretty good product on the field. Hall of Famer Rod Woodson, as we wrap it up, is that the same 
philosophy you have for the Eagles at the Buccaneers when you talk about the two, four shell, what they have to do to slow down the best passer in the league in Brady because the Eagles want to run it. And I like the way Jalen Hurts runs. I love this kid and how tough he is. They're a good team when they're breaking tackles and running and trying to take time of possession away from the Buccaneers. Do they have a puncher's chance? I mean, they do because they're playing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they are playing one of the best quarterbacks to ever lace up the the, the cleats uh, and Tom Brady. But we all know that even Tom Brady, he has sometimes his weaknesses of playing against those soft zones, right? Um, and, I, and I probably wouldn't be as much worried if they had all their weapons. But, you know, losing – Losing AB the way they lost AB, right? And and uh, not I was going to say Gallup, but it's not Gallup. Um, Godwin. What's up, Godwin? Yep. Losing Godwin, losing him, and not having their guy. But you still got Tom Brady. You still got a heck of a defense. You still got a nice little running game. Um, you know, for can can Philly beat them? Yes. But you got to take the you got to take reps in time off the clock, right? You got to mm-hmm. play, it got to be a short game. So if they can run the football in some capacity and Jalen Hurts, he's, he's running the, you know, unscheduled plays with his feet, getting first down and the chain keeps moving, that can, that can bode well for him. And then the defense just has to play halfway decent football. You know, they do have a couple of tight ends. They got to worry about talking about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers with Gronk leading the way, but you know, they're better off today than they were several weeks ago if they were going to play this game. So do they have a puncher chance? They do have a puncher's chance, but they have to be able to run the football. They have to be able to make this a short game. If they do that, it would be a close game. I can't say that they're going to beat them, but uh, it would be a closer game than what people think. Last one for Rod Woodson. Rod, you shared with me when you won your Ravens Super Bowl, Ray Lewis, and that great team and the teammates you had. They looked up to you, and you've been a veteran when you were building your Hall of Fame legacy. What was it like when the playoffs started? From heart rate, conditioning, to getting treatment, to being more professional, and you were at the top end of being a pro. What was it like for you when young players were looking up to you saying, I've never played in a game like this. How do I prep for it? What leadership did you show them? Well, you know, at the end of the day, it's the same game you've always played. No, it's just loser goes home. So I would always tell guys, don't put a lot of pressure on yourself because most guys don't bode well under pressure. Yeah, most guys aren't, you know, fire pilots who are trained to, you know, for stuff, stuff of that nature. So just go out there, play the same game you've been playing since you've been nine years old, and don't think about the consequences. Just go out there and have fun, enjoy yourself, keep preparing, and prepare the whole, the whole back end of the year to be ready for the postseason. Mm-hmm. And if they're, if teams have done that and if the Raiders have done that the way they've had, they have, uh, you know, the one thing I love, love about the Raiders is that they're, tattle, they're battle-tested, right? They've been in a lot of close games, man, and they're freaking winning. So that gives them a lot of confidence against whoever they play. Uh, but the one thing that they do have to do, and I, and I kind of flipped the, the, the question around a little bit, but they gotta, they got to slow down number one. I mean, that dude can run. Yeah. And I've never seen a guy get out of tight windows with the ball in his hands. And if he gets a step on a defender, that's a touchdown. Yeah. Jamar Chase is special. You're right about that. One step 
and he gets the edge on you, he could take it to the house. Rod, it was good. Good to have you on again. I look forward to seeing you a lot uh, in the offseason, and hopefully the offseason out here in Vegas and around the country isn't, isn't that long for the Raider Nation. Thanks for doing this. All right. Take care, brother. You got it. Rod Woodson. Great to know. Great to know Rod and getting to know him as he's lived out here, and he lives here in Vegas, and he's around, and he was at the game. And good to see him up there on the jumbo boards, video boards, interviewing him, and he got the crowd going. What a player he was. Oh, just incredible player. Multiple positions, corner safety, like Charles Woodson, but Rod's on the short list as one of the top Hall of Famers of all time. Jonathan Hankins confirmed here in about five minutes. So stick around for that on Raider Nation Radio. Herbert, back in the gun. Takes the snap. Straight back. Forced out of the pocket. Has to throw on the move. Intercepted. Intercepted by the Raiders. The former Charger, Casey Hayward. He makes the interception. Dashes into the end zone for the celebration. Brett Musburger on the call, JT. We had to move Jonathan Hankins running late. That's good. They're preparing for the playoffs. We'll either get him on tomorrow or we'll have another Raider player. We're excited about that. Jeff Sherman over at the Westgate will join us with the moving lines here coming up. And our good friend Paul Gutierrez, who covers the Raiders for ESPN. So we've opened up the show asking you, who do you stop? And you hear what Rod Woodson said at the end about Jamar Chase. Rod's one of the greatest cover defenders to ever play. And he says the tight windows, if he catches the ball in a tight window and you don't tackle him, he's gone. That concerns me with the Raiders. I think the Raiders have been improving with their tackling skills. What happens with Chase is that you hit Chase underneath. If he's running a crossing route and he catches the ball with momentum, it's going to be hard to catch him. So you have to have that last line of defense, two safeties in the back, coming at the receiver as he makes a play. Now, I'm comfortable with Casey Hayward. I don't think Casey Hayward could keep up with him, or anybody could. Nate Hobbs, who's new in this league, you have to give him cushion. Now, I wouldn't give him cushion first and goal on the five. I wouldn't be lining up three yards in the end zone. I'd be playing in front of the sticks, in front of the end zone there. But when you're at midfield, or you're if the Bengals are on their own 30, Give Chase some room. Don't let him run by you. He's that good. You've got to be careful with him. He's a young Cliff Branch. That if you bite, if you bite on an up route, he's going to run by you and he's gone. And Burrow can make every throw. So getting Max in the defensive line to get there quicker and to hope that these corners can stay with Chase. And then you have to have one safety over the top. And I really like Trayvon Merrick in that situation. Chase is a young player. Merrick is a young player. Merrick is a highly regarded player in this league that should be able to run with him, especially if he's starting 20 yards deep off the ball. So it's going to be a great test, and I wonder what weather's going to be like. If the weather is super cold, if there's any type of rain or snow, whatever it's going to be, how will that affect the game and the ability for Chase to get open deep downfield? So I'm concerned about this guy. 
really am. I'm more concerned about Chase than I was Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, and they were pretty good receivers. I wasn't really concerned about Indianapolis's receivers. They don't have a Jamar Chase. And you, you go back to Cleveland. Cleveland was decimated by COVID. Oh, and by the way, when the Raiders played Dallas, there was no Amari Cooper and CeeDee Lamb. So this is CeeDee Lamb, but better. So the Raiders have to act accordingly, and I think they'll do a good job. Uh, Reggie in North Las Vegas. Go ahead, Reg. JT the Brick, thanks for taking my call, man. I'm super, super excited still from Sunday. I don't think I'm going to come down until it's time to play this next game. Um, all I have to say also is thank you, Raiders. Thank you for pulling it off. Like they say, just win, baby. I don't have to deal with, you know, I don't trip off how bad it is, how good it is. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Just get the win. I, I wish things went this way and that way, but my hope is that they win. So how you do it, you do it. But you're right about this Chase guy. We, we got to figure him out and and do something different. Don't, don't come out here with that vanilla defense either because they'll pick it apart. And if we do the same thing in the first half or second half as we did in the first half, we have no adjustment. I, I don't trust mm-hmm. that at all. So I hope our defense can step up. Same thing with our offense. Mm-hmm. I think our offense could do better just outside the red zone. Don't wait until you get tight inside the 20. Just outside the red zone, do something different. Pull a guard. Do something just change it up so it's not Derek panicking to throw the ball away and not mm-hmm. get sacked. All the thing is, my main man, that I just hope he turned it up because this is an opportunity for Cleveland Farrell to come and do something. With our guy Faison going down, yeah. do something. Right here, make up for all this doubt people have. I'm looking forward to him to do something. That's a very good point. Hey, Reggie, that's a, re- that's a really good point on Phylon being out and yes, Cleve Farrell getting in. I, I don't know how many players because I'm a fan of Solomon Thomas, and I like the rotation yeah. of Jefferson, who they've had there. But you're right about this. A fresh Cleveland Farrell playing for his legacy in the yeah. playoffs as a number four. That's a great point, Reggie. Get this guy going. <laughs> Get him on my show. Get Cleveland Farrell going. What, what was he brought in number four for? Number four overall. Well, Get him going. That's what I'm talking about, JT. Yeah. This, this opportunity to say this is what I'm bringing you right now. Do it. I agree. I can't wait. Let's go, Ray. That's a very good point. And that's great. That's why I love taking calls when some of these frauds don't. They just don't take calls. Well, I, I, my word count. Bobby says if we counted my words throughout a day, and we got that call we have to play later, make sure we get that call in from last night, if we can fit it in. Well, how long is it, Bobby? Oh, four minutes? Perfect. Let's do it right now. Yeah. So there's two different JTs, Raider Nation Radio JT, and then Raider uh, JT at night on Sirius XM. So I had a Charger fan call me last night on the show, and uh, he got me going. Here's how it sounded. Mike in South Carolina. Go ahead, Mike. Thanks for waiting. Yeah, man. I think it'd be a little hard on the Chargers, man. 
No, not at all. Uh, no, not, no, not at all. I'm being accurate on the Chargers for all the frauds in the media that kissed this kid's ass, this coach's ass, and he got spanked out of Las Vegas like a 12-year-old whose mom and dad put him in the penalty box. This guy deserves heat, so I'm not being hard on him. I'm doing what the, no, the rest of the media didn't do, kissing his ass the whole time, making him out to be the new Vince Lombardi down there in Los Angeles, and he goes for it on every fourth down and loses games. Oh, darn. Oh, my God. But did you watch Justin Herbert? That may be the greatest two drives in the fourth quarter I've seen all season. That was the best regular season game. It did not go their way. Herbert and the Chargers are for real, man. They're for real. What are you talking about? They're a nine-win team that didn't make the playoffs. What's your definition of real? You don't call in on the Raiders' epic comeback season. You don't call in on Joe Burrow on Cincinnati. You're not calling in on Dak Prescott. You say they're for real? What are they for real sitting at home, sitting their asses at home in Los did Angeles? How real the, are they? Did you not watch the last two drives? I was at the that game. I hosted amazing. the post-game show. The Charger fans were walking by me to the exits with their tail between my legs. Did I see the game? I was off last night. I was at the game. I'm calling the Chargers out for what they are, a bunch of frauds. Bro, man, you got a different definition of fraud. Good, good. And that's why my name's on the show. Take care. That, that's it. They're, they're a bunch of frauds. Herbert's a great player. He's one of the – I compare him to Aaron Rodgers and John Elway. I think he's a great player. I said the coach is a fraud, the fans are a fraud, and you're a fraud for saying that the Chargers are this or that. They're nothing. They're not in the playoffs, and Herbert played every game. The Raiders had their head coach resign. They lost their star wide receiver for a stupid, awful, life-changing decision in a fatality car accident. They have an interim head coach, and they beat Brandon Staley. That's accurate radio. Not this crap again. Oh, the Chargers are for real, man. Oh, man, the Chargers are coming. Oh, this is the Chargers and the Broncos. Yeah, how'd that work out? The Raiders swept the Broncos two years in a row, and the Chargers are out of the playoffs. Chargers are the real deal. Get that out of here. Chargers are the real deal. You call me when they're the real deal. They're not the real deal tonight. Real deal. What's your definition of real deal? Getting beat? Justin Herbert playing all the games and they don't make the playoffs? Get out of here with that garbage. That's what I've been talking about on this show and my other show for six months. Everybody goo-goo-ga-ga for the Chargers and boy Blunden, Brandon Staley. Oh, this guy's boy Wonder. No, he's boy Blunder. Oh, this guy's got balls, man. He goes for it on every fourth down. Yeah, how's that worked out? He's not even a playoff coach. He might be good. The culture there, I'm, I'm not saying he's a bad guy. He's overrated. You know, again, I apologize to the last caller for being a little bit worked up. But I, I've been up for almost 24 hours after the Raiders uh, debunked the myth of the Chargers. Don't tell me about the Chargers are the real deal. Justin Herbert's the real deal. Austin Eckler's the real deal. Keenan Allen's a fraud. How many balls did he drop last night? No, big, big tough guy there, too. Laughing at the Raiders in warm-ups. Joey Bosa, another big tough guy too, mocking Derek Carr. Mocking Derek Carr the whole time. Mocking Derek Carr about he crumbles in the pocket. Oh, yeah? Joey Bosa was gassed at the end of that game. He had nothing. He had nothing at the end of that game, Joey Bosa. Raiders ran it right down his throat. You see Josh Jacobs in the fourth quarter running right at Joey Bosa? Looks like Tarzan plays like Jane. Raiders win. Chargers are not the real deal. 
from my show last night. So if you wonder what I do at night, I am not having a cocktail, having dinner on the strip. I'm doing my other job, fighting for the Raider Nation. Fighting for the Raider Nation on satellite radio. The great Paul Gutierrez joins us. ESPN, ESPN TV, ESPN.com, accomplished author. How are you, Paul? JT, I'm I'm doing better than you after hearing that soundbite. That that was epic. I was just going to have to come to the Chargers' defense if you attack their their powder blue uniforms, which I think are the second best in the NFL behind the Raiders. But. That's a different topic for a different day. I'm doing well. Yourself? Yeah, great, Paul. Thank you. And I had to move from the press box where you were down to the Modelo Lounge to do the post game with about six minutes to go before the elevators, as you know, those famous yeah. elevators at Allegiant Stadium. You better get on them on time. And in the five minutes I walked, the game changed completely. Herbert's thrown these unbelievable touchdowns. What was going through your mind analyzing down distance, the time left, and the score up 15 instead of 16 and what the Chargers did? Yeah, it, it's, it's interesting, and, and uh, I don't know how much the fans care about what goes on in the press box, but from our industry perspective, I, I'm literally sitting there writing three different stories at the same time. Um, I, there's not much analyzing going on other than read and react, which I guess is kind of like playing a prevent defense, right? Um, which didn't work out well for the Raiders either, but it, it, it's stressful. It, it's crazy. Uh, besides writing win, lose, tie, uh, also looking at, well, this is also going to affect next year's opponents because they're either in second place or third place. Are they going to Kansas city? Are they going to uh, Cincinnati? What's the weather like? Are there hotels? What about a flight? There's just a million things going on at the same time. And, oh yeah, the most important thing is the game is happening and unfolding right ahead of you. So it's funny, when he called that timeout, I didn't think it was that big of a deal at the time um, because I really felt like they were gonna, the Raiders were going to let the clock go down and try to kick a field goal anyway with Carlson's massive leg and the fact that he has yet to miss at Allegiant. So it was just one of those things where there was, really wasn't much time to think until much later and process it all and uh, hopefully you know did a solid job in just kind of presenting the facts of the game because that game turned on a dime yeah. 17 times. Paul Gutierrez, you're right about that. It's incredible, all the scenarios that were going there. And I was just shocked how many people in the media really bought into the tie. I was wrong, and I know you touched on it. I was completely wrong. I never thought it was a scenario that could have yeah. happened days before, so I didn't waste any time with it. And I should have at least looked at it more because of the way it could have ended up in a tie. I didn't think it was going to be because of taking knees and both teams agreeing. No. I just thought it would be a missed field goal. But when they stop, when the Raiders – kicked a field goal. I said, was anybody in the building other than me and Paul last year when Mariota had a first and goal at the four, didn't get in, and then Herbert right. threw that bomb and went downfield? That was running in the back of my head. They were fortunate to hold the Chargers to a field goal. Yeah, and, and uh, I think even more fortunate than that was winning the coin toss to yeah. start overtime because if, if the Chargers had gotten the ball to start, I, I believe in my heart of hearts that the Chargers would have marched down and scored simply because the, the defense was gassed because they had been on the field for so long and allowed all those fourth-down conversions. Fourth and 21, touchdown. It, it, um, that, to me, was the biggest non-play play of overtime with mm -hmm. the Raiders. Uh, you know, and they didn't even win it because the Chargers made the call. So the Chargers losing the, the coin toss to start OT was the biggest factor, in my opinion, for that Raider defense to actually kind of you know, get its legs back under it and, and um, do what it had to do. Paul Gutierrez, as we wrap it up, Paul, you wrote a great piece on what this team has been through, and it's been a wild and woolly season for the Raiders, one full of the highest highs and the lowest of lows, an unspeakable tragedy. 
What went into it? What were you thinking at this time with your notes, the relationships you have, knowing from Ruggs to Gruden, everything that played out recently with Hobbs, and now these great wins down the stretch? It's heart-wrenching uh, from both from both perspectives. I mean, and in digging through my phone, I wish I had done it yesterday or the day before. I found a photo from October 1st that I had taken at practice, and there's John Gruden giving a, giving a fist, giving a pound to Henry Ruggs during warm-ups. And it's like, wow, that happened. That was this year. So many things. And, and really, to me, it started way back before training camp when Mark Bedane resigned suddenly. He's like, uh-oh, what's going on? And it was just kind of a precursor to all the ups, the downs, the drama, Beyond that, just the, the feel-good wins that this team has had. Six walk-off wins this year, JT. That's insane. You know, I mean, how many baseball teams do you see with six walk-offs in a 162-game season, let alone six walk-offs in 10 wins for a team in 17 games? It's um, stressful, uh, rewarding, emotional, all of the above. I asked Derek Carr about it, too, and uh, said he really had no words to describe what this season has been like, what it's meant, what it's felt. And, uh, again, we get a couple days now to kind of process it and, and figure it out. And, and writing that story was reliving a lot of bad memories, a lot of late phone calls, a lot of early phone calls, a lot of uncomfortable phone calls, and writing things that, that um, you know, just tried to encapsulate and just stick to the facts. Here's what happened. Uh, here's what didn't happen. And yet, here we are. Paul, last one with the Bengals before we uh, talk to you, hopefully again with another potential playoff game on the horizon. They've had a lot of duds, very similar to the Raiders season where they're a playoff team. They won the division. I don't think they would have won the division if they played in the AFC West or another division, but they did. They got 10 wins. The Raiders have 10 wins, but some of their losses were head-scratching. They have Jamar Chase. We just talked about that with Rod Woodson, how you have to be careful with him. And Mixon's only had three 100-yard games. I was shocked at how many similar games Mixon had to Josh. Jacobs, 50, 60 yards. He didn't have this Jonathan Taylor season. So what do the Raiders have to be concerned about the most? I I think they need to get that pressure up the middle uh, from their defensive line, which then frees up uh, Ngakwe and Max Crosby to do what they do best. Um, And then that allows the secondary, which isn't exactly stingy. I mean, they've only had, what, five interceptions all season long? And with Chase and how fast he is, he can eat. Uh, the Raiders need to, to run the ball. Josh has, has shown up these last three games. I mean, more than a third of his total yardage for the season came in these last three weeks. He's averaging almost five yards a carry these last three weeks. And if it's a weather game, that only does well for the Raiders. On top of that, you and I being Raider historian types, the curse of Bo Jackson is still alive and well for the Bengals. Because if you think back, mm. and I was actually at that game. 20-year-old me was there taking pictures on the sidelines for the Barstow Desert Dispatch. Um, the Bengals ended Bo Jackson's career, and the Bengals haven't won a playoff game since. So take that for what it's worth. Wow, the last time, the Bo Jackson curse. Paul, safe travels to Cincinnati. We'll talk to you when you get back. Thanks so much. Talk to you then. Take care. You got it. There he is, Paul Gutierrez. Man, good perspective there on the Bo Jackson curse. Brought to you by Doghouse Saloon, proud playoff partner of our show. I'll be at Doghouse Monday night for Cardinals at the Rams. Oh, I love Resorts World. My sister's coming into town this week. My little sister, can't wait to see her and her husband, my brother-in-law. I'm taking them right to Resorts World. To the cigar bar there, eight, which I love. The restaurants are fantastic. I love all the action there. And I take everybody by Doghouse. Scott Sabella's vision of having a sports bar with entertainment, bands, live music, and on top of it, inside Doghouse is where the sports book is. 
So you can find it in the sports bar. So that's great, too. Right next to the theater, Carrie Underwood, Katy Perry. What a lineup they have there. Resorts World has been fantastic. Proud playoff partner of our show here, the JT The Brick Show. When we come back, we'll wrap it up with Jeff Sherman, VP of Risk Management over at the Superbook at the Westgate. What's going on with this line with the Raiders? Raider Nation betting this down. Line's moving. What do they know? We'll ask him coming up. And how in God's name do you bet the Patriots' bills? Do you like the under or the over in Orchard Park? We'll get to that next. Thanks for listening. motion to the near side then they reverse it with Billingsley back to the right snap to Young drops back pressure from the edges he throws near sideline and it's intercepted intercepted Keely Ringo at the 21 off he goes 40 50 45 40 35 30 near sideline breaks the tackle 20 15 10 5 touchdown 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 Georgia let the celebration begin what a game Georgia what a comeback JT with you as we continue on Jeff Sherman joins us, the Superbooks VP of Risk Management, one of the best odds makers in the world. Uh, Jeff, good to talk to you. Let's begin with the national championship game last night, the liability that could have been there, the total, especially the first half total being on the underside. How'd you say it? Yeah, we got a lot of sharp money on Georgia. We came out a small loser on the game itself, and uh, the sharps were all over Georgia. We ended up closing Georgia minus three, uh, even money line support for them, and we had a lot of our, our largest handle we've ever had on a college football championship game. Wow, largest handle you've ever had. And is that because clearly the star power of championships games always have good teams, but this was a, a rematch on top of that as Georgia lost to Alabama earlier. Yeah, just a lot of split opinions. Plus, we went to an eight-cent split on the, on the spread mm-hmm. and a 10-cent money line. And so just moving things just slightly attracted a lot of action on both sides. Were you surprised about the total in the game when you think about these two teams and what they look like the first time around? I was surprised that Georgia quarterback he really stepped up in the second half and made a couple of big throws, and Alabama lost their star wide receiver. Well, that was a big loss for Alabama, and I think that changed a lot of the complexion of the game. So, you know, we opened the total at 52.5, and it sat right there, uh, and it came close, but uh, stayed under, and we even had a house player that parlayed Georgia to the under. So a lot of people did well with the under. Jeff Sherman joins us from the Superbook at the Westgate. All right, let's go through the NFL card. We'll start with Cincinnati and Vegas. You saw what Vegas did on Sunday night with the Chargers. Let me stop and ask you what that was like at the book, knowing that the tie was really in play when that game got into overtime and the Chargers launched that comeback with five minutes to go in regulation. It was crazy. It was some of the most energy we've seen in the book. And, you know, we didn't have the tie specifically as a bet, but we had will the game go to overtime. And we had that at 10 to 1, took a lot of money with just the tie being talked about building up. Mm. So we closed at 8 to 1. So a, a nice reward for some people that went with that theory. Uh, but the, the action on that game, especially the in play, was fantastic. And just so much energy involving that game. So the evolution of the in play, you really saw it in that game. Fans betting while the game's in progress with all, not a lead change, but when it went into overtime and during the Chargers' comeback. Oh, no doubt. And even through overtime, we keep that going too. Mm-hmm. So it's, uh, it's fantastic. 
So Cincinnati opened up minus six and a half. You have it at five and a half as we speak here. Total on this game, 49 with the weather issues. What jumps out at you at this game? Well, we did open six and a half on the Bengals and have seen sharp play on the Raiders. They took six and a half and six. So the whole market sitting at the Bengals minus five and a half strictly because of sharp play. I'll move on to New England and Buffalo. The first game, three attempts from Mac Jones, only two completions for 19 yards. Buffalo got him in the rematch, and now Buffalo gets him at home again. I see you have that here at four as it opened up at four and a half here, consensus-wise. The total on this game interests me. I, I really think Buffalo can put up a big number here. I just don't know how you chart the weather here at 43 and a half. Yeah, we opened 43 and a half and even saw some sharp play on the under there. So we're sitting at 43. And, you know, a lot of that, even though we saw the weather in the first game between the two dictate everything that had happened, there's still people that believe in New England's defense. And New England's totals have been really low this year. Uh, staying here with Tampa Bay, minus eight and a half. Uh, Philadelphia here, total 49. Uh, I'm thinking a lot of fans are looking at the over in this game if Tampa Bay gets off to a really good start and Philadelphia has to come out of that running game and are forced to th- uh, throw. What are you seeing with this game? So far, this has been the least handle on all the games, and we're okay. sitting at the opening side and opening total of it. What we're seeing mostly right now is people teasing Tampa Bay down and putting them in money line parlays. So that's about it involving this game, but not too much movement. Although I do think this is going to head down a little bit. Um, eight and a half was the highest that we had in the room, and it wouldn't surprise me if we saw this head towards seven and a half closer to kickoff. We're talking to Jeff Sherman, VP of Risk Management over at the Superbook. At the Westgate, I'm fascinated by the San Francisco-Dallas game. Dallas ran the table in their division, 6-5 and five in the other games here. San Francisco, what a dramatic comeback in the way they handled the Rams. A powerful team. You get three for playing at home. Dallas minus three. Game feels real even to me, Jeff. Total on this one, 51. Yeah, this was one of the easiest lines for us to make using three. And we're expecting a lot of San Francisco support, especially after that win in L.A. against the Rams. Uh, probably a lot of 49er support on the money line here. So uh, this this one will be one of the more high-handled games that we have through the weekend. Yeah, I can imagine San Francisco on the money line. Uh, let's wrap it up. Not a lot of people giving Pittsburgh a chance at all. What a big number. Kansas City minus 12.5. Jeff, Kansas City's had some really roller coaster games. And in the playoffs, we've seen them trail early. A couple of years ago against Tennessee, we've seen games where they just don't start off fast. And Pittsburgh is a slow-plotting team here. Total's interesting considering how Kansas City can score at 56 a 46-and-a-half, please. Yeah, Kansas City's defense has really stepped up the second half of the season. And one thing about this game being such a high spread is we recently saw this game being played in Kansas City, and Kansas City had no problem with Pittsburgh. So from the perception standpoint, we expect a lot of Kansas City support. Uh, finally, Rams at home, minus 4-and-a-half against Arizona. I like Kyler Murray in a big spot here, but the Rams... And what, how do you handicap Jeff a Rams game, knowing that they can be explosive, but they have Stafford in the playoffs, and this is new territory for him? Yeah, it's, it's tough. You know, we opened the Rams minus five. It got as mm-hmm. low as minus four, and then we saw some sharp play late of four, and we're at four and a half now. But I think the public's going to be heavily involved on the Cardinals here. Uh, and, you know, that's just what you said, that the trustability of the Rams laying over a field goal. I think there's going to be a lot of support for Arizona. Uh, Jeff, let's wrap it up with season totals. What team was the big disappointment? Easy victory for the book. And what team is out of the postseason now that there could have been some liability because a lot of betters were on them? Well, the Colts are the one team that 
out of the postseason that we had some liability on, and that was a surprise them not getting there. And our largest liability on the season wins was the Titans over nine wins. So that one really dictated how we did, and we didn't fare so well on most of them. And you know, it was a tough year with the COVID situation. So, um, you know, but we're already looking forward to next year getting these up. We've already had inquiries about season win totals, and you know, we'll have those up closer to the draft. Last one. What are you excited about with golf? Your expertise coming out in Hawaii as we got off to a pretty good start with some really low scores, scores that I didn't think could get that low at the professional level. Yeah, I'd like to see these courses a little bit more challenging. And I know they have to account for the possibility of wind, but it was uh, that was a shootout like I've never seen before. And now we head over to Oahu, uh, the Sony Open in Hawaii. Cam Smith coming off his win, the 10-1 to favorite. Not as strong as the field as last week, but uh, it's nice to see golf back. And, you know, the one thing that's going to be a challenge with the odds makers this season with the golf is with the COVID like the other sports. Mm-hmm. There's going to be constant withdrawals, not to take golfers down and add new ones from the alternate list. Yep, and you can do it. You know the sport as good as anybody. Thank you, Jeff. Talk to you soon. All right, thanks, JT. Jeff Sherman over at the Westgate, VP of Risk Management. Very interesting. So sharp money coming in on the Raiders and Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh at 12-and-a-half. How many people are booking bets for Kansas City to cover that? I mean, does anybody feel confident of of Ben Roethlisberger not being able to cover 12-and-a-half in a playoff game where he's lived in the playoffs his entire career? That number is super high to me. Eddie in L.A., thanks for waiting. Eddie, go ahead. Hey, how you doing, J.T.? Good I time. called last week, told you that this week, this weekend's game was going to be the biggest of Derek Carr, and he came out and proved it to everybody that he's got what he's taking. He, he has missing minutes throws in here, but he was money when it counted. This team has been money in the, in the last four weeks. Okay, what a great opportunity we have moving forward. A lot of fans didn't believe that this, this team can win four in a row to get into the playoffs, but we're there now. What, you know, let's not forget, the Raiders have been a really good road team this year. I understand Baltimore's, I mean, not Baltimore, I'm sorry, Cincinnati's going to be a tough out, but I know this team can do it. I know they can go in there, they can slow the pace down and attack and get to the quarterback. They can get to the quarterback, they can curtail some of those big runs, we got it. And what, a, what an opportunity to go in there and win and possibly host a playoff game. But what this team has been through all season mm. to then be in a position to host a playoff game, I mean, it doesn't get any better than that. Yeah. Storylines galore. Come on, Raider Nation, stand up. Get with this team. Raiders! Yeah, I'm not looking at hosting a playoff game. That would be a great best-case scenario. i got to host the radio show. I'm not sitting here talking about looking that far ahead to hosting a playoff game back at Allegiant, but being the five seed instead of the seven seed, I can understand why fans are optimistic about that. Will in Denver on the Raiders mobile app. Hello, Will. Hey, JT, how you doing? Doing good, thank you. Hey, man, thanks for having me on. I, uh, I I love being able to listen to Raiders radio out here in Denver, especially in the heart of of hostile country. But uh, it, it's fun. It, I gotta say, I had a blast watching this game with my kids this weekend. I, I sent a text to the text line. I, I don't know if you guys can see videos mm-hmm. or not, but I had an opportunity to watch a game with my ten year old who uh, watched the field goal, videoed him watching the field goal win the game, and it was so funny. Everybody I sent the video to said, "Didn't he know they were gonna they were gonna." <laughs> make it in whether whether they he missed it or not and i said you know i said i told him that and he said no we're raiders we don't we don't back our ways into anything so and that's 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 something that was just fun to watch and, and enjoy with my kid first time i've gotten to watch a raider game of consequence really since mm-hmm. the super bowl and yeah, uh and while. it was a lot of fun 
But but JT, I, I you know I want to say something about Coach uh, Coach Rich and say something that I, you know not a lot of people are talking about and you know John Harbaugh in Baltimore special teams coach and and look what he's been able to do and it's because he's got his fingerprints on everything but doesn't have his signature all, all over it and the fact you know we saw it here in Denver with Fangio just a just a defensive minded coach that really wanted somebody else to worry about everything else and he just wanted to coach yep. his defense when we have somebody like Rich who is even keeled and isn't going to uh, enforce his will on all the other coaches and let them do what they're good at. It's something that, man, I really hope that it's something that he sticks around. Thanks a lot, my friend. Appreciate it. You're hearing the music. I got to get out. Rich Passacci has done an incredible job. He's, He's done a hell of a job under really tough circumstances, and the Raider Nation is pulling hard for him to shock the world, which I wouldn't think would be a global shock to beat the Bengals. Bengals are a good team. But I'd rather get the Bengals now than three or four years from now when Joe Burrow's really got this thing dialed in. Same thing I said about the Chargers. A lot of guests today. Thanks to all of them. Bobby, fantastic, putting it together. Big show tomorrow. The Ghost, Dave Casper, is going to join us. It's playoff week on Raider Nation Radio.